Hello, and welcome back to week number three of Nintendo Month 2019. It's flying by way too fast for me. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Bergman. And I'm his brother... Will Bergman. I don't think I mentioned this, but this is the Super Mercado Brothers video game music podcast. <laughs> I think you get the gist at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, we're almost 400 episodes in, so hopefully, um, I think that's the first time I've ever not said the name of the podcast. It's a pretty so. good run. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> and now I have to retire. Guys, this is going to be really fun. Uh, one of the things we like to do every Nintendo month, most years, I feel like we do at least one composer spotlight. Right. And this is a composer that has is long overdue for one of these episodes. We've wanted to do this for a while. Really excited to focus on video game composer Toru Minigishi. Yeah, Minigishi is probably most famous for his work in the Zelda series, principally uh, 2006's Twilight Princess. Yes. Uh, which was uh, jointly composed by Asuka Oda, and I think there was one or two tracks composed by Koji Kondo. Um, and uh, the track we were playing in with actually comes from The Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, which was sort of uh, the sequel to Phantom Hourglass on the DS, which is sort of the sequel to Wind Waker. Um, Toru Minigishi, outside of Koji Kondo, is probably my favorite composer to work in the Zelda series. I think what he did with Twilight Princess is absolutely masterful. And I think you mm-hmm. could make the case that that is maybe even the best Zelda soundtrack. Um, I think we were talking a little bit about this last week in our Mario episode of just how strong the Zelda music is and how there are composers outside of Koji Kondo who've really been able to nail um, that style and kind of make it their own in a way that maybe the Mario series has struggled. Yeah. Um, but Toru Minigishi has also worked on titles in the Mario series, principally That's true. Super Mario 3D World. He's also worked There's on... There's another obscure one we're going to st- almost start off with today, yeah, too. Yeah, uh, that's really he cool. also worked on the two Splatoon games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's we'll a composer that, that later. I, I'm such a big fan of and I really look forward to hearing more from in Will, the Well, you know what's funny... Last week we mentioned, oh, it was too too bad we didn't have time for a Mario Maker 2 track. Today, we also, I feel too bad, didn't have time for a Mario Maker 2 track. Part of it is that was one of the titles that he did work on that there's no breakdown. So right. I don't know what tracks were his. So that was one of the sad uh, examples. But luckily for, for most of his other work, even his collaborative scores, we are able to have some some crediting through various sources. And so we are confident that all the music you're hearing today was composed by Nintendo composer Toru Minigishi. Uh, he started with the company in 1998. Uh, and actually, the first game that he worked on was Pokemon Stadium, actually. Oh, cool. That was another example where there's actually no crediting for that because it was a collaboration. So we're not playing a track from that because we don't really know for sure. But we're, we're going to start with you guys heard that that wonderful uh, title from Spirit Tracks. We'll go back to that later. Uh, what, you, what we're going to start with is a very obscure N64 game. I think it was just released in Japan, I believe. It's called Mario Artist Talent Studio. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with this game. It was sort of the, um, the like the spiritual sequel to Mario Paint yes, on the Super NES. Yes, and Tataka was, uh, was, co- was a collaborator as well. This is, I think, w- the maybe the only track that Minigishi contributed to the score. I do think this came out in the U.S. and in Europe, but it featured kind of a very underutilized peripheral, if I remember correctly. It was kind of like how Mario Paint, mm-hmm. you had that um, plug-in mouse um, yeah, the virtual talent studio used some other kind of mm-hmm. add-on. I that think you're most right about that. Get. Well, let's take a listen to a Minigishi track, a very early Nintendo Minigishi track. This is called Poppy Poppy. <laughs> Thank you. 
What a quirky piece of music from early Nintendo composer at this point, Toru Minigishi. It's interesting. It almost has this full circle effect. The fact that this is one of the first titles he worked on at Nintendo and one mm-hmm. of his more recent titles being like Splatoon 1 and 2. And Mario have Maker a very 2. similar quirky aesthetic. Yeah, and Mario Maker is definitely kind of in the line of these games um, inspired by Mario Paint. And I think Absolutely. that's even the directive. Even Funny, that we little talked about weird that last week telephone too. dial sound, the burp, burp, yep. burp, 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 it, it kind of reminds me of Koji's theme for Mario Maker. You know, I think we have played this track before, or it might have been another one from from this game, and it's so similar. And at that point, I think I assumed that was uh, Tataka, and luckily I found crediting. This is a Minigishi composition. I believe the only one he contributed. I think Um, something that this composer is so good at is um, seamlessly joining a group of other composers or um, joining a series of games and kind of uh, fitting in fitting into mm-hmm. that musical style seamlessly yeah. I think he does have his own distinctive voice and he definitely mm-hmm. brings a lot new to the table but he's so good at matching the sound I mean I think when I first went through the Majora's Mask soundtrack the tracks that are Minigishi just blew me away because they were not the ones that I would expect yeah um, because they aren't the ones that sound different they're the ones mm-hmm. that are emulating Koji's style in a very accurate way yeah uh, and that's something I'm always impressed because I think it takes a lot of humility for a composer to do that and it takes a lot of discipline and craft to sort of study another composer or a series or a genre or a style and really commit to that and that's something that Toru Minigishi has been so successful at if we look at just all the different series of games he's worked at but it's something that you might not necessarily get a lot of credit for you know because it's not putting your name front and center it's focusing on the let's move on to really what put him on the map Uh, his first collaboration uh, in the Zelda series and collaboration with Koji Kondo who was a huge mentor and idol for Minigishi. This is The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, and we're going to play two out of the three total tracks he contributed to this game. Uh, We're going to play the battle theme followed by the boss theme. The other track he did contribute, which is also very good, is the middle boss theme. All awesome. Let's start off with the normal battle theme from Majora's Mask. guys are listening to Battle from Zelda Majora's Mask by the wonderful Nintendo composer 
Toru Minigishi, and we were just saying that this is kind of Star Wars-y, kind of Star Foxy, isn't it? Yeah, what I think is so... I love uh, Star Fox 64, and I think... As do I. Um, a lot of experimentation that Koji Kondo did on that soundtrack would eventually impact and influence later Zelda projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, the instrument choice on the N64, in terms of... It is orchestral, but like you have that sound of that electric organ in there um, quite often Um, and some of these quasi synth sounds that really make up the sort of N64 orchestra Um, so I do think that's influential and speaking of Toru Minigishi there are several tracks in Twilight Princess that I actually feel like borrow a lot of influence from Star Fox 64 interesting particularly like you know the mission accomplished theme Koji's Mm -hmm. if you look at the um, when you defeat a boss in Twilight Princess Mm. there's a very similar figure wow I never thought about that it's, it's very similar and I I also feel like Star Fox 64 is like the template for um, Mario Galaxy in a way too. Um, so it's <laughs> cool that the fact that this that. track reminds us of Star Fox a little bit, I think is appropriate, but I'm just so impressed with Minigishi's writing here because it very much fits in the language that Koji established in Ocarina and mm-hmm. with Majora's Mask. The fact that it uses that sort of mallet percussion ostinato yeah, it's seemed perfect. to fit the it, darkness of that It's game. a good balance because it reminds me of, of boss themes in the series already. It sounds kind of like a Koji boss theme but it's also fresh and yeah. and, and kind of going in places that we haven't quite yeah, heard. It's not it's just, just like wonderful. a stock imitation of exactly something we've heard before but it sort of hits all of those marks and it's progressive and experimental um, it, it I don't feel like it's just um, yeah. blatant or cliche or anything like that. Let's move on to Boss Battle from Majora's Mask composed by Minigishi. <laughs> That's really one of the strongest boss themes in the series. You guys are listening to Boss Battle from Majora's Mask. What's really, I feel like to this day, still one of his best, uh, you know, moments of scoring here. These battle themes are so outstanding, especially the fact that this came out in 2000 for the N64. It, it actually holds up just because the composition is so well done, so exciting. Uh, it seems like uh, Minigishi was about 25 years old yeah. when he was working on this game. Yeah, it's also so exciting, another composer coming in and seamlessly fitting their work in 
with Koji Kondos. I mean, this is... As well as bringing a new energy yeah, to it. Yeah, but it, it's sort of textbook in the way, like, if you studied the boss and battle themes from uh, Ocarina of Time, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, to come up with this out of that, it, it's such a... I mean, those... That's definitely... That comes from several themes in uh, Ocarina. Um, but this ostinato is so strong, and then his melodic instincts are just perfect for Mixed Zelda. meter stuff is and, so yeah, good. It, I, I love how progressive it is. I could imagine, you know, Kondo-san over his shoulder saying, especially when it gets into that planing mm -hmm. fourths bit of kind of Smiling like... Smiling okay, and patting him is, on the back. But also I wonder how much influence he had of like, this is the t kind of thing that I do in a boss theme. Yeah. I like to use these sorts of harmonies. I like to use well, these Well, you know what's so meters. cool? Minigishi only had three tracks to contribute to really focus on maybe i imagine he had quite a bit of time to, to work on those since koji was doing so many tracks fat in a very fast you know way uh so maybe he was really trying to focus and just make them as good as, as he possibly could and he definitely achieved that uh and it's so great that he was able to continue to work and kind of be one of the lead zelda composers for many years uh, all right let's move on into the gamecube era and what a perfect transition point to move to this you guys might not know this, but Toru Minigishi was the person who composed the GameCube startup, hmm. which is one of the most iconic, beloved, like heartwarming <laughs> sounds uh, I can yeah. think of in my entire life. <laughs> it's so perfect. Apparently, this is one of the examples uh, of Minigishi composing something away from any instrument, just vocally. That's apparently his favorite way to compose music is just wow. trying to come up with something with his voice. He must have perfect picture something to write <laughs> this like tone row -esque. Absolutely. Let's take a listen to the classic five seconds long GameCube startup. <laughs> wow. How do you write that without a keyboard? That's insane. I, I could not sing that. I've heard it a million times. God, it's so imaginative. It's weird that we just played a five-second song. We'll probably have to play it again. But um, it's so imaginative and exciting. I will definitely not forget the first time hearing it and seeing it. Visually, it matches perfectly with the music. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like something you might see in like a Disney or like a Pixar movie. It just has that sense of wonder and imagination to it. Right. Yeah, it's it really is just flawless. I mean, the that kind of graphic of the little square outlining the, purple the G squares. of GameCube, um, but the really sophisticated harmonies that he's using here, and the mm -hmm. instrument choices. I mean, it sounds so legit. Uh, the melody there is happening with a xylophone, and then we have these pizzicato strings. But it all sounds super high level because I think it's arranged in sort of an interesting. Well, and then you end way. with that nice string chord. Yeah. Which, what do you know? What that? Let's listen to it one more time. Let's see if we it can. It sounds figure like out what some form of is. like an inversion of a slash chord or something, or mm -hmm. one of those chords without a third, where or maybe it has like the fourth in it as well as being above the like almost like a C sus over E kind of a sound. Let's take a listen one more time. Yeah, God, um, so good. It, it's, it's some sort of form of a slash chord. Like what a, I love about it is that it's it's for the time and so far what we've heard in Nintendo a different emotion and a vibe than you might expect for what Nintendo system music would be. It's know, a little bit. You darker, know what I think maybe. it is? It's uh, it's a tonic chord over the flat seven. So mm. I don't know what key it's in, but if it were in C, it would be like a C major over B flat. 
kind of a interesting sound, which i love Very it has this like a wandering unsettled quality to it but yeah well, for such a short piece that's just Oh, so good. Well, let's move on to a very early GameCube game that was originally in development for the 64. This is Animal Crossing, and Minigishi was involved in this game. The lead composer was Tataka, and I found out that one of the pieces that Minigishi contributed to was Go KK Rider, this classic KK theme that for a while I, I just assumed was Tataka, but it's actually Minigishi. He also composed the wonderful KK Basa. Do you remember that right. one? Really strong melody there. So I think that was all he contributed was, I think, three or four KK tunes. Let's listen to the classic and very fun Go KK Rider. You guys are listening to the delightful Go KK Rider from Animal Crossing, composed by Minigishi. That out of tune whistle <laughs> still just. Ooh, it's very pungent. Oh, there's something charming about it. Yeah, uh, this is a, such a great melody. It definitely sounds like Minigishi's answer to uh, Kenta Nagata's Dragon Roost Island. You know, um, it's funny. This game came out before Wind Waker, but I know Wind Waker had a long development, too. It's possible that theme was already composed at this point. Definitely. I, I have a feeling that was kind of an early one, because when you listen to it, even just um, regardless of its context in the game, it definitely sounds like it was such a central melody for Wind Waker because it's the only piece in the game that has that sort of style and this right. track has a very similar progression and it also does something that uh, the original Legend of Zelda theme does like where the progression is sort of moving down by half step yeah, I always thought it was Zelda-ish, too, yeah. even the first time I heard it. And, I mean, I think you can tell just um, Minigishi's style right away. He really is just hungering, I think, to write a classic Zelda theme. And he doesn't necessarily get the opportunity. You know, he does those boss themes for Majora's Mask. I think he does a couple pieces in Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so ex- exciting to know that eventually, at least for a period of time, he was like the Zelda composer, you know, doing Twilight Princess as the lead composer and then all the amazing themes that he wrote for Spirit Tracks. And didn't he even write some for Phantom Hourglass? Yes, as well? he did. Uh, you know, what's funny is, do you think there's any world when... Kenta Nagata was actually inspired for Dragon Roost by this because Kenta Nagata was also a composer on Animal Crossing. Right. Is there any world when he heard this Minigishi track and was like, oh, that's kind of cool? That would Probably blow my not. mind. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that Dragon Roost is so classic, but it's kind of like the interesting lore behind um, that Gladiator theme and the Pirates of the Caribbean oh gosh, theme that are so crazy. similar. And some people wonder, like, did Hans Zimmer write the Gladiator one? 
and then Klaus Bedelt was inspired by it, or did Klaus Bedelt write both of them, mm-hmm. and he wasn't credited? There's a like, it's interesting to find that sort of lore of like you have one really famous piece, yeah. but sometimes it comes after something else that's very similar. Well, two years later, the release of Zelda Wind Waker was a big splash. Uh, the soundtrack was uh, outstanding, and Minigishi was very lightly uh, contributed to this. Uh, lead composer was Kenta Nagata. Hajime Wakai uh, probably did the next most tracks. Koji did, I think, did he just do one? Uh, it's unclear. We At know least for one. certain he that grandma. he did Grandma's theme. I, some people suspect that he may have written, like, Errol's theme or some of the other mm-hmm. or, oh no he also for sure did the opening prologue mm-hmm. the, mm, yeah he did a couple uh, and Minigishi did a couple let's take a listen to my favorite contribution of his this is Ganondorf Battle from Wind Waker <laughs> So epic, probably the most epic battle theme in the series so far. This is one of those themes that yearns to be heard with a full orchestra. It's just so grandiose. There's actually well, on um, the on the um, 25th anniversary mm. uh, CD that Chad Sider was involved in. There is a version of this in the Wind Waker medley, and that's that's true. So, so delightful that orchestration there. What I love about what Minigishi is doing here is I feel like he's capturing the um, the harmonic flavor of Ganon's theme, that sort of polytonal, unstable sound. Um, the bum, ba dum, ba dum. Um, and he even sort of hints at that ba 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 bum, ba bum, ba bum, ba 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 bum. And the use of those sort of fourth harmonies. Um, what I love about this piece, too, though, is even though it has this sort of uncertain. Um, rhythmic and meter quality to it there's something catchy about it um and when it turns back around to the loop even though you might not necessarily be expecting it it has this familiar quality you know i will say that as a final boss theme it's a lot more catchy and melodic than most would be i mean that opening kind of fanfare really strong pillar notes that really stick in your head is really one of the most memorable final boss themes in the series Man, and he's he also kind of captures, closer. He has this really interesting voice, a really sophisticated harmonic sensibility. Were you, do you ever get Metroid vibes from this track? I used to get Metroid sure, vibes from yeah, this track. Sure, yeah, particularly the yeah, da 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 da. Like a Metroid yeah, boss da, da, would, this would work well for that series. But then too. my favorite part is. That's a very Kondo esque. Well, let's move on to one of the more surprising inclusions today, something that you might not realize. And I was all ready to skip this until I stumbled upon this track that was familiar. So I'm wondering if it was included in a a previous podcast. 
in some capacity, but it's really good. Uh, Toru Minigishi was the lead composer on a decent soundtrack, Yoshi Touch and Go for the mm-hmm. DS. It was actually a pretty fun game. Soundtrack wasn't terrible, especially considering how many bad Yoshi soundtracks there were in this overall era. Uh, this is not bad, and this track is really, really good, and it's classic Minigishi. Let's take a listen to Versus Battle. guys are listening to versus battle from yoshi touch and go outstanding piece of music will was saying has some thomas newman vibes to it very mysterious and yeah the way he uses the dorian mode here feels very filmic um it, it kind of accenting it melodically mm-hmm. very beautiful yeah i mean it's kind of tragic it's cool but it's not yoshi it's kind of fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) especially you know we just came from a battle and you were you know i introduced it oh versus battle you probably had something in your head of what you expected i loved it though i like that it isn't cliche and so much of my problem with um some of the younger generation in the nintendo ip is i don't feel like they're taking the music seriously Mm -hmm. the music seems to be the butt of a joke and it doesn't make anything funnier it doesn't make the games any more fun it it actually has this insulting quality of like oh this is just a game for babies you're playing a baby game and i just think it it works so much better something like this where it's an interesting composition yeah it's you'd want to listen to it multiple times because it it's rhythmically exciting it's harmonic interesting it's melodically interesting there's a lot to go back to you want to listen mm-hmm. to it again and again where like the kind of more recent sound of the yoshi games where it's just out of tune whistles and it's goofy i think there quirky. are some of those moments in in this score we're not playing that you know what's interesting will this game came out in 2005 and it was a collaboration between minigishi and asuka oda who mm-hmm. a year later they would also collaborate they're probably still at this time working <laughs> I love on the idea though, all the twilight, twilight princess music. from the people who brought you yoshi touch, touch and go, go. <laughs> i'm sure at the same time they were already maybe almost finished with the twilight princess soundtrack sure. this was also a collaboration with tataka so let's Let's now move on to the masterpiece, uh, probably so far in Minigishi's career. He was the lead composer on The Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess, and if I'm honest, composed the most beloved and iconic themes in that game. Yeah. Suka Oda did a really good job as well. Um, All the kind of heavy hitting tracks, if I were to pick my favorite, like eight or nine tracks, are really all, all Minigishi. I mean, uh, so what we're going to do... The town themes, the the main mm-hmm. theme, Midna's theme, yep. Alias theme, like all the best melodies. We, so obviously we don't have time to play all of his great work on this. We did have an episode, so check that episode out, guys, in our archive. It's one of my favorites, actually. We're going to play three tracks right now, and then we're also going to play out our episode with a wonderful track as well, so definitely don't go anywhere. Let's start things off with Ordon Village, composed by Minigishi. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to the delightful, the amazing melody, something that is so iconic and familiar and comforting. One of those melodies that the first time I heard it, I felt like I knew it my whole life. (laughs) Um, An amazing melody that's so inspired by Koji Kondo. It's so wonderful to know that Minigishi really, really looked up to Koji Kondo, got to work with him when he was younger, and now given the opportunity to be the lead composer on this game. Can you imagine how exciting that and pressure-filled that would have been for Minigishi? But, I I mean, it's just, it's absolutely the it's a perfect piece it, of music. it might be the best zelda soundtrack and koji kondo was actually sound director for this game so he definitely he contributed had a little a, bit he definitely had a role in the style and the direction of the game well do you um, remember in development hearing rumblings and hearing different intervals interviews they wanted to go for uh like a mario galaxy treatment a full orchestral soundtrack right. i don't think at the time the the budget and the technology and the cost of that was was possible right i also think that um the zelda series has a history of doing a lot of sort of interactive music changing on the fly that depending on really the location hard. and i think maybe they weren't quite up to figuring that out and honestly when you look at breath of the wild it still seems like that's something that they haven't quite tackled in a zelda game of it's not easy recreating that the sound of ocarina where it's mm-hmm. like it's built in these little units where you go to a new area and a, and a different um section of the music is generated and you don't even notice it it's so seamless it well, feels it's, like a score. it's definitely possible we hear it a lot it's just well that's mi- the might not be something the Nintendo new spider-man game mm-hmm. was actually written in and it's so exciting hearing that done with a full orchestra but to talk about ordon village um oh it's so comforting i, I don't peaceful. mean to use hyperbole but this I kind of think is maybe one of the best piece of music written in my lifetime. Like I remember hearing this for the first time and I do too. My jaw just dropped. I was in college and I was a freshman in college and my good friend, Mitch, who was my roommate, I went with him to, to kind of stand outside at what, like a shop co or something to get in line for him to get a Wii. He got the Wii, brought it home. It was super late, but we stayed up and played probably the first three hours of this game. And hearing, hearing this theme, I, it was just, it was so comforting, and every time I hear it, I'm transported to that time and that night and, and kind of those memories. It's yeah, just I mean, phenomenal. It's, it's definitely my favorite village theme. It's a perfect composition, in my opinion. I don't think there are very many pieces of music that you could call perfect, but every single note in this, I think, is unimpeachable. That ostinato so arpeggio that's boom, 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 boom. Every single note is lovely and catchy and memorable. The the chord progression it takes us through is beautiful and has this old-fashioned wistful quality. And then that flute melody is just completely it's perfect. Kondo-esque. I don't know it what other way to put well, it. <laughs> what I love about this is this could have fit really well in Link to the Past. It could have fit really well in Ocarina of Time. It's just as kind of simple and iconic as a lot of that well, music and is. The music is such a main character of this game and it's one of my favorite things about the Zelda series because Twilight Princess I think has the most, I guess I would say traditionally Western, meaning like American story sensibility mm-hmm. of all the Zelda games and I think it's maybe one of the reasons why it resonates with so many people here in the US. I think it has that, it's very cinematic. Um, But the whole opening, I love how slow it is and how you get introduced to all the 
kids and adults in this little village. Mm -hmm. It feels like a real home. And the fact that throughout it, you're hearing this theme. But one of my favorite things about it is there's this sort of melodramatic, sad, melancholy it's, sound it's to a it. It's sad piece. Which yeah. so fits with so much of the little drama in the mm -hmm. village is like, oh, these kids were picking on me. And now you need to talk to that so kid. Much, and you're absolutely right. Well, so much of that like and, emotional connection in this whole area is due to this music. Right. It's the perfect balance because it's sad, but it's not like you're not going to cry from it. Well, and the thing that I love about it too is it, I think it elevates the emotional context. I love Koji Kondo's Kakariko Village theme. I mean, it's mm -hmm. absolutely classic, but it's definitely more in the vein of just, this is a peaceful village. Right. It's nice and pleasant. Where what this I one like has about some humanity this, to it. This one has kind of a, a, a twinge of pain. It's yeah. a little bit sad. It's a little bit melancholy. Mm -hmm. And it, it really, I think, supports all of the events that happen in this little village uh, in a great way. Well, we didn't mention it, guys, but you just listened to this week's Track of the Week. Couldn't pick a better piece in, in Minigishi's career thus far. Let's move on to some more outstanding Twilight Princess music. Let's move on to Ilya's theme. are listening to an absolutely gorgeous piece of music, Ilya's theme from Twilight Princess, composed by one of the best Nintendo composers, Toru Minigishi, and this one just means so much to me. I will always think of my wedding when I hear this. This was one of the themes that will beautifully arranged for our ceremony. So this one just means... It, it meant a lot to me before that, and it ev even more so now. God, well, this is good. I gotta say, I think I'll always have the same connotation as well. Um, and I mean, I, I can't imagine a more perfect melody. So if you can't walk down the aisle to Ordon Village, uh, <laughs> this maybe is this a is the close next best thing. The thing that so amazes me about this track is Toru Minigishi's clear reverence and love for Koji Kondo. Yeah. I mean, this melody is as archetypal perfect and pure as any condo melody and the thing that i so love about it is you can tell he studied the themes from ocarina the themes yeah. from yeah oh to clearly the well you know what i love about this melody and it's something that koji's melodies capture so well and i know we always try to get to the heart of this simple and complex at the same time yeah simple as far as maybe number of notes repetition things like that but some of the chord moves some of the note choices are more than meets the ear to borrow yeah. a phrase from last week yeah i totally agree and it's about it's that same thing we were talking about last week that the moments of colorful harmony are sparing it's not every yes. chord is some extension that's really out there because then you start to expect it and your ear it becomes dull sounding mm -hmm. where with this it's like you're hearing this pure diatonicism and then you have sort of an interesting um, non-diatonic chord and it adds another level of color the other thing that i love about this 
melody is how he so focuses around three pure tones. And that's definitely something he probably got from studying the music of Ocarina of Time, which Koji Kondo composed using a strict set of finite pitches for uh, most of his themes. And um, this definitely feels like it's written in the same way um it, it's the those three tones are very similar to epona's theme yeah which i think is intentional because Ilya, as a character you meet her as she's caring for your ho- horse epona um and so that theme is referenced you know, i think intentionally here. i remember thinking that when i first heard this melody but what i love about this melody is how it's the notes are slightly different similar but slightly different obviously the harmonic underpinnings are different the rhythmic like kind of starting point is different too which helps right to divide it from that the, in the epona the lawn lawn ranch theme is that sort of swung folksy americana mm-hmm. thing and what i love about this track um i believe it's in the key of g major mm-hmm. but it starts on a c which is the four chord and so there's kind of this momentum built into it. Yeah, I love that. that. Right when you're starting off, it, you're not exactly home. Um, and you can tell that based on the pitches of the melody. Yet the way that it progresses is going from the one or going from the four chord down to this inversion of the one chord. It's like C, the bass progression is C, uh, B, mm-hmm. A, D G. It's beautiful. Um, but the first two chords almost feel maybe it's in the key of C. It's hard to think about it that way, but like the first time you hear it, I do think there there's kind of a surprising sound that like, oh, we very much start so, in the yeah. one. So good. We're gonna move on to one more track from uh Twilight Princess. Other than our play out, this is the Hyrule Field main theme, which was also composed by Minigishi. Just crazy. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Hyrule Field Main Theme from Twilight Princess, composed by Minigishi, and might not be able to play all of this piece of music. It's actually quite long and quite evolving and quite amazing all the way through 
just crazy the amount of outstanding work that Minigishi did in this one score. I would say so far in his career, his masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, we could also make this track of the week. One of the greatest <laughs> Zelda themes. The thing that's I was replaying the Zelda games recently, mm-hmm. and what so amazes me is like the stylistic cohesion that happens from Wind Waker to Twilight Princess, despite having almost none of the same composers and a completely different sound director. Koji Kondo yeah. wasn't involved as music director on Wind Waker, mm-hmm. but he was for Twilight Princess. And Twilight Princess has different principal composers, yet the there is a stylistic through line. And what amazes me more is after you play Wind Waker and you hear all that amazing music, I doubt anyone could say, okay, this is about to get way better. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it does. And what I so love about this Hyrule field theme, first of all, the advantage that happens here is in Ocarina of Time, Koji Kondo, maybe his most brilliant piece of music in that game is the field theme Mm -hmm. um, because it's all new melodies and it implies the Zelda main theme. You hint to that tune a little bit, but it never outright goes there. And this one kind of does that too. Um, And what I love about this though is you can tell it's very inspired by his Ocarina theme. First of all, all the evolving sections, but even the rhythm of that melody. But what's great about this soundtrack is that main melody, it it's hinted at so much in mm-hmm. an almost leitmotif way. It becomes throughout the infamous, game. and it becomes yeah, and part of the all the different blood. sections of of this theme have their own melodic identity in a way that is um, almost it's it's kind of distinct and different from the way that the ocarina theme works. And I, that's why I do Very think it's so. like. In a way, the Twilight Princess, I still think, is probably my favorite Zelda, and I might even have the best musical soundtrack. It's Which is insane. so incredible. All yeah. these different sections. Well, guys, my favorite is probably the... Oh, that's so delightful, yeah, isn't it? it's so fun. Um, we have a little block of Zelda here in this episode, because this is just how it is. You know, at this time, he was... That was what he's he was doing Zelda for Nintendo. Guy. He's the Zelda guy. And so we got a lot more music to come from this series. Let's move on to the DS for a little bit here. We have The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass, uh, which was a nice collaboration. Uh, Tor Minigishi was one of the composers. Let's take a listen to one of his contributions, Linebeck's theme. Really one of the strongest melodies in this game, too, con- composed by Minigishi. This is Linebeck's theme, and the lead composer of Phantom Hourglass was Kenta Nagata, so that was really great to get him to come back in this series, and also to get Minigishi to 
collaborate. I guess they both did of them working on, on one soundtrack is like uh, it's such a, a abundance of riches. Well, I this think. was in a way kind of this unofficial sequel to Wind Waker, and both of these people worked on the Wind Waker score, so that's so fitting. But it's like this is post Twilight Princess, yeah. So <laughs> now Min- Minigishi's been sort of established as this titan, and mm-hmm. Kenta Nagata did such an amazing job with Wind Waker, having yeah. both of them, and now hearing Minigishi writing such a swashbuckling Wind Waker. Isn't it amazing? Is delightful. This I is forgot a great how score. brilliant this melody what is. What an amazing it's theme. It's beautiful. It's just every little harmonic turn is so Zelda to me. Those little chromatic touches, mm-hmm. um, uh, the way it uses the flat two chord really reminds me of Kondo and the original theme. Um, well, what I love about yeah, this theme um, in especially when you hear it and get to see it in game, there's a lot of sense of humor to this. Right. Um, and it's a beautiful theme, uh, and it has a lot of uh, excitement and swashbuckling qualities to it. But there is there's kind of like a silliness and a humor Yeah, the character's a little well. unreliable mm-hmm. and kind of humorous. Like I think a lot of Zelda characters are. There's a lot of kind of oafish unreliable adult men in the Zelda games that are kind of like intentionally arrogant yeah. or don't really know what they're doing. Just a bunch of idiots, really, oh. yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to another amazing Zelda score for the DS. We played in with one of the tracks from it. We're going to play two more outstanding pieces that were composed by Toru Minigishi. He was the lead composer on Zelda Spirit Tracks. Uh, let's start off with one of my favorites in the score. Such a great village theme. This is Aboda Village. That's how you write a village theme. He should teach a course on this. You guys are listening to About a Village, composed by Toru Minigishi. Uh, this soundtrack was a collaboration between him, as well as, interestingly enough, Manaka, Tomanaga, Asuka Oda, and Koji Kondo did contribute one track as well. Um, yeah, this is an outstanding score. Much better than Phantom Hourglass. Um, e- honestly, every bit as good as some of the mainline scores. Outstanding work by all these composers. So many great melodies yeah, on the score. This one is so good. I know we used to actually think this was a Kondo track just because mm-hmm. of how um, expert it is, similar to something like Ordon Village. But I love that it's like this This is a track all its own. It's not copying from Ordon, yet it does similarly have this kind of marimba, mallet, percussion 
um, left-hand piano kind of figuration and this great flute melody, but harmonically it's very different. This track really reminds me of Yoshi's Island. I almost suspect that some of the themes in that game could have been an influence for Minigishi here. Mm. Uh, definitely recommend checking out uh, Kondo's theme. I think it's called like Farewell to some, yes. some name mm-hmm. in the game. It's yep. absolutely gorgeous. It also kind of sounds like out of Yoshi's Island. It's this very sweet and earnest yeah. ballad. It's kind of in the style of something like Grandma's theme. For yeah, it's Waker. interesting. I, earlier I said Manaka's, I believe, maiden name, but Manaka Kataoka, as she's known now, who was the lead composer on Breath of the Wild. Right. This was one of her first uh, works you know, for Nintendo. And so Breath of the Wild was actually her second kind of uh, time working in, in the Zelda series. Um, I should go back and listen to her contributions on Spirit Tracks. I can't remember which Did she also work on Wind Waker? No. Okay. No, she did not. Yeah, she she's a much newer uh, employee than You know, than Wind she Waker. might have worked on the Wind Waker HD because that was the version I was playing. Let me double check. And uh, I, I thought I recognized her name and I'm like, I don't remember her working on Wind Waker, but maybe she was just involved in like recreating the soundtrack I don't see or something. that. I don't see that as, as a credit. I see her first game being Wii Fit, Animal Crossing City Folk, Spirit Tracks, uh, some more Animal Crossing. She did an arrangement for Smash Wii U. Uh, and then uh, Breath of the Wild. Oh, so that's, that's what I'm seeing here. Okay, guys, let's move on to the main theme from Spirit Tracks, which is also composed by Minigishi, which is absolutely amazing. Let's take a listen. Oh my god, it's too good. He's just composed too many good melodies. He should be locked up. This is the main theme from Spirit Tracks, and one of those great cases where listening to the score, loving it, really appreciating it, years later, when you hear it in orchestral medleys, when you hear it called back, you're like, oh my god, that's one of the best themes in the series. That's like a really, really strong theme. It's kind of Dragon Roost, uh, you know, 2.0. But what I love is it gets to be the central theme, where Mm -hmm. it's like Dragon Roost is probably the best theme in wind waker definitely the but best it theme. just it's one of the islands in the game right. i mean i think it's definitely a striking moment um but it definitely doesn't get to have this function what's so fun about spirit tracks is the game is all about trains in the way that phantom hourglass and wind waker were all about ships and yeah. sailing um but in this kind of western still, jing, 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 well there's, there's really still that inspiration train. from wind waker whatever yeah. the energy was yeah, that, I, I think that, that was also a smart over. thing because he takes sort of the Western flavor of Dragon Roost and makes it the central 
thematic idea of um, spirit I tracks love that because that these... galloping rhythm fits with our connotations of trains and westerns. That's true. Yeah, I love for these uh, handheld Zelda games, they really took the musical style of Wind Waker and kept that going, right. which was so good to kind of maybe separate what was happening in kind of the mainline uh-huh. series. It was well, just a and brilliant such idea. A, we, we've done episodes on the Zelda handhelds, and yeah. I mean, they are as strong melodically and thematically Especially as spirit tracks, the original yeah. Zeldas. I mean, we recently focusing on Link's Awakening. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think there's just a rich history of Zelda handhelds, yeah. I think. And yeah, this is one of the better themes in the whole series, which is saying something because the Zelda <laughs> series has been around since like 1986. And, and, and this man has been, composed a lot yeah. of the best themes in the whole series. Well, you know, he's a good composer because he got to work on huge games in the Zelda series and also a huge game in the Mario series right now. So that's always a good sign. Uh, he's very trusted. Let's move on to two contributions uh, from Super Mario. Mario 3D World, which is an outstanding score. I, in some ways, I guess I would say underrated, at least to this point. I mean, just just really, really good. Yeah, I do think the Switch is kind of kicking so much ass, and mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey are both so great and so fun and have been incredibly successful. And so many of the best Wii U games have been re-released yeah. on the Switch. Uh, there are a few casualties like uh, Mario 3D World and Nintendo Land that yeah. I, I hope don't get lost to time because mm-hmm. I think they're both really exceptional. And and honestly, a turning point musically for the company and for the series, yeah. I will say. The level of production, the level of Yeah, you don't get care. Mario Odyssey without 3D World. Absolutely. Let's take a listen to one of Toru Minigishi's compositions here. This is Sprawling Savannah. <laughs> guys are listening to sprawling savannah one of the best tracks in the game this is such a nice change of pace for the series to have an open kind of savannah type stage was a great idea and to go for this kind of tribal fun music kind of something maybe in common with some of the yoshi's music but very new it was funny you know going will was mentioning going from that spirit tracks main theme to this man this (laughs) this man loves his pan flute and his marimba uh yeah they definitely go well together dude what i wouldn't give to put Tormenegishi on the list for Breath of the Wild, you know, mm. like I mean, you can have Manaka Kataoka mm-hmm. and Yasuaki Iwata did amazing job, yeah. Um, but to get like this kind of flavor yeah. from Minigishi, um, I mean, I also feel like a lot of his work inspired stuff that happened on Breath of the Wild. Like for instance, yeah. this B section with that trombone portamento. I almost wonder if that's not the same player who played on like the Goron City and Breath sure of the Wild. It sure sounds like it. Similar kind of. Nice tone, but very swanky and yeah. kind of a lot of sense of this humor to it. This is a great it. piece of music, too. Also, what I love is, 
Toru Minigishi is such a, a craftsman when it comes to writing melodies, and you mm -hmm. can tell he's in the Kondo school he, he of these simple, loves pure nuggets. repetition, yeah. right? He loves having three notes that repeat like four times before he right. moves on, and they, they get stuck in your head. I mean, one of the catchiest tracks in the score, there were times when maybe I didn't fully appreciate it because I would die so much and I maybe got sick of do 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 but right. these get stuck in your head so much. Let's move on to another uh, Minigishi composition from 3D World. And I got to say that this one kind of set the stage for some of the uh, out there music in Odyssey. I really, really got to say that this is was such a well, change. It's funny, of pace Koji for the Kondo series. wrote the um, Japanese-inspired Bowser themes from Odyssey. Yeah, um, but he we've talked about how he's influenced. Uh, Terminigishi, but I love this is an example of like the master teaching the student and then almost like the student then influencing the master. Yeah. This is cool. an outstanding piece called Hands On Hall. Dude, I might be regretting my track of the week choice. Oh my god, when the so slap cool. bass comes in, so surprising, and the da -da 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 with the god. harmonized brass, it's just too much fun. It should be illegal. These stages are so cool. Like when I first saw, I must have seen like a trailer or something, or watching gameplay of this or something, and I was so excited to get to one of these stages. And it does take a while to get to to one of them. I think there's only two or three uh, in the whole game, but definitely one of the most memorable moments in the game and this music is so exciting and there's a part of it that's inspired by Mahito Yakoda's work in the yeah. Galaxy series because it feels like Reminds big me of some and stuff massive from Galaxy 2. but it's so fun and funky oh my yeah, god like man I like to imagine that Mahito Yakoda and Toru Minigishi are like bros and hang out all the time I would like that too of any Nintendo composer they're my favorite to kind of like of this next generation passing the um, torch to them you know yeah. and, and this is another thing there's a lot of things i'm saying that i that remind me of last week we talked about how we hope and we are you know hope and pray that uh we're not seeing the end of mihito yokota in the mario series as a composer i have that same hope with minigishi in the zelda series i hope yeah. that he's not done with that series and that Nintendo's not done with him. Yeah, uh, I definitely think, I mean, you know, Koji's still around and still composing. I mean, he wrote more music for Odyssey than I think any game since Mario Sunshine. Um, that's true. And maybe even Majora's Mask. So that, I think that's very hopeful. Uh, the, you know, these composers aren't done yet. And if there's one thing we know from Nintendo is we can't expect what is going to come next. That's true. And so I, I'm just so excited that they clearly have such a 
a deep roster mm-hmm. of incredible composers working at that company right now. And I do think at the top of the list uh, is, is uh, you know, among those names are Mr. Toru Minigishi. Well, if you're curious to see what has Minigishi been up to in recent years, he's been really busy with the Splatoon series. Uh, put a lot of heart and time into that. Let's play two pieces of music from the first game, Splatoon. Let's start off with a piece called Splatack. You guys are listening to Splatack from Splatoon. That's hard to say. This is composed by Toru Minigishi. Um, was a collaborative score. Uh, he contributed most of the music, was the lead composer, and established the sound. And I will say, whatever my feelings are about some of the music in the series, it is incredibly unique and has a specific sound and feel uh, that doesn't remind me of anything else. Yeah. I'm going to make a very strange comment, but if George Lucas were to make another Star Wars film and uh, he needed a location similar to his 1950s cafe in Attack of the Clones, Hmm. I could imagine him having some weird like 90s-esque punk bar. This is the music that would play there. It's vaguely (laughs) reminiscent of human music, but it also is strangely alien alien and weird and and creepy and bizarre. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they did a really good job, and Minigishi was at the helm, really good job of establishing a really specific sound and vibe to the series. And if you like that, and if you're on board for that, you're so lucky because you get a lot of that music. And with Splatoon 2, just a great, you know, revisiting of that world and well, expanding it. The Splatoon it. games are so fun. And I mean, just bursting with creativity and it's fun to get such a vibrant and exciting new Nintendo IP. I agree with you. In that, a like, genre this, that's This music isn't necessarily the thing I'd want to listen to. It's not my cup of I tea. I definitely feel like they're, it's, it's so different and creative mm-hmm. that I just have to give it props for trying something oh, so yes, outside absolutely. of the box. Absolutely. I have a lot of props to give. I have a lot of respect for Minigisha. I mean, whether he's working on an orchestral score or working on this crazy, weird alien rock score. He gets score, into it. <laughs> he really, really gets into it and does a great job. I will say that um, it's a very exciting series musically because the level of uh, detail and budget given to, you know, studio musicians and engineers and studio time, you know, is, is really exciting. A lot of real, real performance. You know, I, I, I don't mean to bring up a, a, a sensitive issue. I know our podcast <laughs> is for listeners of all ages, but I almost wonder... 
were drugs involved in the making of <laughs> this music in this game? Because I think it's so to me crazy. it seems like Minigishi is just high on life, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, oh my god. But yeah, this this is a weird, weird series. But let's play one more piece of music from the first game, Splatoon. This is Ink or Sink. You guys are listening to Inker Sync. I actually like this more than the Splatack. This is a crazy piece of music. I'm so fascinated. I would love to know, and maybe he's shared in interviews, I would love to know the kind of early punk music that Minigishi listened to growing up. He was the perfect age for that. Right. You can tell he was inspired by some really experimental punk. You know, a lot of bands where their progressions are super... Uh, weird and like hard to analyze like from a theory perspective it's like what's going on like kind of like uh, just like weird chord choices that are kind of chromatic and, and odd and that's kind of what he's bringing to this score right. here this this song actually reminds both of us of this song called uh, I might have to post it on discord uh, Terrible Hands by this uh, actually this local Minneapolis now defunct band kind of experimental punk mm-hmm. pop weird band called 12 rods yeah th- this progression it's almost like a one six two s- seven major who knows like, what it is but you bizarre. know what i mean there's a lot of punk that have those kinds of uh harmonics where it's like they don't really care about what the rules are of like a key or diatonicism they're just yeah. doing whatever they think just is cool strange chords yeah, very odd, um, but really cool and bursting with creativity. I mean, Zaniness. I do feel like there's a part of me that's upset. It's like there's a big new Zelda as the launch game for this new flagship and Nintendo Minigishi's console. And busy working and on he's this. He's busy w- working on like psychedelic, futuristic synth rock, rock. Punk pop punk it's crazy yeah i mean if you like this kind of music then you're very glad that he's yeah, at this the should have been the tone of zelda <laughs> oh god yeah it doesn't really matter what you direction. know in breath of the wild there are those people in Hatino village on. that with the kind of like hipster punk haircuts you know yeah, that's where true. they they dye your clothes and stuff this could have yeah. been playing what i was gonna in say is like it, Minigishi is so good and like puts so much care and like time and heart into his music that uh, you just got to respect. It doesn't matter what style he's he's going for. He goes all in. Like it's hard to know. Does is this his the style that he loves the most? Right. Or is it like beautiful, simple, this like you know, is, this is his true lullabies voice. or orchestral yeah. or swashbuckling music? Like it's it's really hard to to know. 
Um, yeah, going from something like Ilya's theme to this is like as different as music can get. Absolutely. Uh, let's end our episode. Uh, last track we'll discuss here is one piece from Splatoon 2. Let's take a listen to Undertow. Guys listening to a great piece of music this is undertow from splatoon 2 composed by minigishi and we have played this before in the pod i wanted to play a new piece that we haven't but i just couldn't uh not play this because i do think it's the best track in the game yeah i agree uh again very experimental i i think this is better than anything in the first splatoon 2 i love the chords and the progression the and a little I, I just bit think more logical the overall production here is is really kind of cool and bold and stylistic I, I i very much enjoy it um it's a good track yeah it i think for my taste just listening to a piece of music i would just prefer almost all guitars and that instead of that vocoder vocoder. Thing. but i do think it's really effective in the game there's something about it it captures the like squid ink yeah i think punk. it's perfect for like, the game it yeah. totally is married to the visual aesthetic there's a lot of like frequency modulation happening in this in this series just a lot of high frequency instruments and phasing and something about that really represents squids well, the other thing that i think they do so well and something that it's like oh that game fortnite became really popular um and i feel like that game owes a lot to splatoon because it's kind of like the i don't know to me it's like a less creative like what i love about splatoon is they're able to have a game with the mechanics of shooting without necessarily like the violence and yeah i love that. other elements like you can kind of swim in the ink and it's like sort of Mario Sunshine meets like a multiplayer shooter. Well, there has to be a focus, thing. right? And so for so many of the FPSs, the focus is violence and battle, and and you like know, how cool the guns look, which is which can be fun. Where the focus here is just let's just make it weird and colorful yeah. and zany and just crazy. Yeah. And so it's like either violent or crazy. There's there's a focus somewhere. Well, and they made it Nintendo. You know, Nintendo has an intuitive, like an unintuitive way around to things. And something that so excites me about a game like Splatoon or Arms mm-hmm. um, is another great example of this. Is like they're doing maybe a well established genre, but they're putting so much in to make it their own. Mm-hmm. Or when you look at so many other studios, I feel it's like what are you really adding? You're one step away from something else. It's yeah. like oh, let's take this from this, this from this, and then we take one tiny step forward where Nintendo is like always just bursting with creativity. Well, the one thing that I will say, even if it's not guys, you know, this music from the series is not something I would choose to listen to on my own time. 
Having said that, I'm really kind of happy that it went with this direction because on the one hand, they could have just gone for something that let's try to compete with other first person shooters and make something right. heartless. Or they could have gone too far in the Nintendo direction and oh, it's Nintendo. Let's right. it's do cutesy. our own thing where this is a perfect balance where this is music that is not, um, I don't know, like it's it's serious music and yeah, there's it's a darkness to it. It's not hokey and lame. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool and it's mm-hmm. very like, I think kind of people without their eclectic musical tastes, I think would genuinely yes. be into this. Because there's a lot of interesting sounds and surprises to be had. Yeah. Especially this undertow track, I feel like is um, a little bit more palatable than stuff from the first game. And I think a little almost more earnest. Like it's, I think it's genuinely cool. Like the music is actually really awesome where the first game feels like it's almost intentionally annoying where Mm -hmm. this, I don't necessarily get that. I want to say Shiho Fuji was one of the collaborators uh, in the series too. God, that's Um, so crazy. Shiho Fuji I see is like this, this sweet little angel all of her music is just delightful and pleasant and melodic (laughs) the thought of her writing stuff for like crazy distorted guitars and you know it's like think of the stuff she did in odyssey that cute little snow track and yeah it looks like that um, underwater theme last week and she did the sky yeah at least for the second game we have minigishi nagamatsu and shiho fuji that's fun yeah so what i'll say about the series is like they did a really good job listening to a lot of this kind of music is taxing for me it's like eventually i just want to like take off my headphones yeah <laughs> that's just me personally um but eventually yeah we got to do interesting episodes on nagamatsu and asuka oda mm-hmm. shiho fuji i yeah. really think shiho Fuji's underrated she's been involved she's a in a composer. lot of nintendo projects and and she's really has great. a bubbly innocent quality to her music guys what an interesting way to end our episode you know starting off uh with that really kind of quirky mario artist track in some ways coming full circle uh we're gonna play you guys out with one more amazing twilight princess track so don't go anywhere we're going to play you out with lake hilia which was also composed by toru minigishi this was so fun i'm glad we got to celebrate the wonderful career thus far of one of our favorite nintendo composers like we said we hope he's not done with the zelda series where he's really made a mark uh, we hope he's not just the splatoon guy from now right. on at the same time it's like after you write something like midna's theme and it's just kind of a mic drop i mean <laughs> twilight princess is so perfect it's almost like what else needs to be said what else needs to be said um, yes but yeah i would love to get more from him well guys look forward to one more week of nintendo month it's going to be great music for our final episode look forward to that this has been so fun it's always sad to leave nintendo month but we've had a great time so far anything else you got at the end will i got something to plug yeah why don't you do that now well this episode is coming out on monday uh november 18th and this coming friday we'll see the release of my new album inflector which is kind of uh i can attest i think i've heard either four or five pieces from this album and every single one that i've heard is outstanding as one of my favorite things that you've been working on in a long time it's very a lot dude me too it's very different um yeah i'm really excited It's, it's an interesting experiment kind of a fusion funk uh synth chip amalgamation those are all words um, that i yeah, would use to describe just it really an interesting uh kind of direction really excited about but it. that's going to come above out above that it great grooves great melodies it's just excellent thank you so music. much fans of your stuff will definitely dig it so yeah that's going to come out this coming friday uh november 22nd and there's going to be a listening party happening on thursday november 21st at 9 p.m central so look forward you know all of our social media links uh to stay tuned for that fun listening party on youtube and yeah i hope you check the album out uh really excited for that and excited to move into nearing the end of the season we're getting there 
Yeah. Wow. And approaching our 400th episode. Insane. Uh, which is our last episode. Okay. See you guys uh, <laughs> next time. <laughs> oh, so funny. All right, guys. We'll see you next week for our uh, final week of Nintendo Month. Please enjoy Lake Hilia from Twilight Princess. Thank you, Minigishi, for all your wonderful work. My name yeah. is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Thanks, Minigishi. Have a great week. Peace out. Mm-hmm.